Hey there, green future growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. Freegardencourse.com Mike and I have developed some lessons to help you create your very own organic oasis. We'll guide you through the steps to build your perfect natural landscape, an edible earth-friendly yard, a sustainable deep bed garden, or even start a small profitable market farm. We'll show you how to save time, lower your produce bill, collect usable data, eat healthy nutritious food with minimal labor, um, use the most effective and efficient production methods currently being used in backyard gardens as well as market farms, and maybe even help you find some profitable markets. We've designed it to save you time, lower your produce bill, and help you eat healthy, nutritious food. Um, there's checklists, there's outside reading, video assignments. Uh, you can join the online Facebook community where there's lots of people from around the world to help you get your garden started today. So remember, freegardencourse.com. We, you know, we were part of a, a conglomerate with about four other um, organic companies. And, you know, each one kind of has the organic piece of the puzzle, you could say. Um, so they do a lot of like, um, they take like the organic amendments you would put in your soil and they digest them ahead of time. So when they put them in a bottle, so when you use them, you're using liquid digested organic goodness. So every time you feed your plants, you're feeding them what would naturally be released in the soil. Um, so it's like a really more innovative, it's a new innovative way to do organic gardening. Um, I guess to, in a more context of who they are to us, they're um, our, our partner company where they provide the, the liquid organic nutrients and we provide the, the easy to use compost teas to keep the, the soil broken down and healthy and, 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 and cycling all the nutrients and making them available for the plants. This is perfect. Did you get the email? Yes, yes, I did. Okay. So I'll just introduce you and we'll go from there before you drop any more golden seeds that listeners are going to want to hear. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Uh, welcome to the Green Organic Gardener podcast today. It is Friday, June 19th, 2020. And I have um, someone on the line who I think we're going to really enjoy learning about they have a kind of a new green business that they're going to tell us a little bit about and also like how you can have better results in your garden so it's cultured biologics is that right tim yes yes it is okay and i'm not even sure i know your last name so (laughs) welcome to the green organic gardener podcast thank you good to be here well i'm glad you're here so go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about yourself yeah sure so i'm the president of a company called culture biologics um, we make really good organic microbial fertilizers, um, natural pesticides, you know, taking um, essential oils that are, you know, harmless to you, me, your dogs, um, you know, everything good in nature, but, you know, detrimental to um, a lot of the pests that we experience in our garden. Um, so we started about three years ago. Um, we've been growing pretty steadily here in Colorado. So, um, you know, originally we, we kind of started off in the cannabis hemp scene and now we're kind of moving into home home garden, kind of teaching people about, you know, the, the new ways to, to garden organically. Okay. Well, I kind of always start out my show asking about your very first gardening experience. Like, were you a kid? Were you an adult? Was it recently? Or like, what'd you grow? Who were you with? 
I've been very fortunate to have a mother that's been a horticulturalist for 35 years. So um, take your child to work day was to take take Tim to the to the greenhouse and have him water plants and pick off bugs and, and dead leaves off, off the plants. So I've been I've been doing it for most of my life. I mean, I'm 20, 29 years, 29 years old now. Um, so I've been gardening a good 20 years of my life. Um, first gardening experience was probably in my backyard with my with my mom helping her do it annual perennial flowers um that's been her real big thing so um just kind of grew up with it and just kind of been involved with with um just about every every day of my life so probably is that how you learned how to grow organically from your mom yeah yeah um well i don't know about organically she definitely taught me the conventional ways you know in, in a lot of conventional greenhouses and whatnot they they use their super triple phosphate they do um they're 20, 20, 20 jacks. You know, they do the pretty conventional stuff using a lot of salts and synthetics. Um, it wasn't actually till I I got into um, chemistry. It's my that's my background. Um, I have a bachelor's in science and chemistry, and so um, I, I got into kind of what the organic, uh, what is to be organic garden. And so the first right out of college, I um, got brought into an innovative fertilizer company. Um, and got into involved with really cool organizations like United Nations uh, Food and um, um, Agriculture Organization, and really starting to understand that um, you know there's other ways that we can grow conventionally. Um, working with the United Nations, we we, we figured out that you know it, it takes about a thousand years for one centimeter of soil topsoil to build. Um, we our whole all of existence of nature is really dependent on the first six inches of topsoil. So what really got me into it was, was understanding that conventional fertilizer, just like on our conventional farmland, can degrade one centimeter of soil in 10 years. So we can destroy about 100 times quicker than we could fit the earth will naturally rebuild it. And going into um, organic gardening, you start to really realize that, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's more about how we take care of the soil than just growing a plant. So just kind of going into, I, I don't know, a lot of the different verticals in agriculture, you can see how a lot of the conventional gardening, you know, it requires a lot more fertilizer and the organic gardening requires a lot less fertilizer, maybe more, more tending to the soil, maybe more tending to, um, you know, the, the aspects of a, of a good ecosystem. But really what, what, what steered me into organic gardening was was just working working within the fertilizer industry and realizing what conventional fertilizers were and and what orga, organic what the difference between organic was well you know this is music to our ears so so then what happened um so we started working with um a lot of these different countries that are part of the united nations and they started really looking back at uh, what what is it to be healthy? Like we're, we're with all these large costs in our healthcare system. What do we really? What, how do we reduce this cost? How do we improve the system? Do we do we have more endeavors in pharmaceuticals? Do we have more endeavors in uh, biotechnology? Do we do we focus more on uh, healthcare professionals? And at the end of the day, what they found is that it doesn't really come down to how much money you put into your medical system, your healthcare system because you're always going to be kind of um, fighting an uphill battle. 
what they found was is that the 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 true nutri the true health to a human and to our to our bodies is the food we eat. And so that's really what propelled me into making innovative and and new technologies is for for organic gardening is is realizing that the the nutrition that we eat is actually in our produce. It's it's how we develop nutrient dense produce, and we do that through growing organically and and having a good microbial ecosystem, having a good good soil health. And if we really want to truly have good medicine to take care of you, me, our kids, our family, then we all need to eat organic food and we all need to be focused on nutrient dense produce. Okay, Tim, so my listeners have repeatedly told me that what they want to know is how can they be more productive? And I have a feeling you have an answer for us. How can we grow more of that nutrient dense produce? What's some of this tech and um, other solutions that you've come up to help make organic gardeners more successful? Um, hey, wait, can I just remind listeners? Sure. I'm sure you all have um, the beginning question, you know, but 29, another rock star millennial working for the UN, biochemistry degree. I love it, Tim. I'm writing a book called Rockstar Millennials about the amazing <laughs> rockstar millennials on my show, because I think you guys are great. <laughs> oh thank you yeah. we're excited you can't tell yep yeah, yeah uh you know it really comes down to you, you know the native americans have have this, this theory I'm, I'm a quarter native american um and so the, I've, I've really grown up with that in my 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 um my childhood and you know they have a saying you are what you eat and well the plant is what it eats too um, so the, the, the biggest thing I've I found, um, and you know, may, maybe not a lot of people, I don't know if you guys have talked a lot about this or not, but the bricks level inside the plant, um, it's, it's, it's something not really taught a lot about in conventional agriculture, except for like grapes, you know, when you're making wine, you want the highest brick content. So you have the largest, highest amount of sugar content and that'll let you make good wine, but really to have a high, 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 high bricks content plant and we do that through um, reducing the water soluble nutrients inside the plant and increasing um, uh, more proteins increasing um, organic like, like cellular uh, production inside the plant so you know nitrates are a good example of that we can grow more nutrients in produce by utilizing alternative forms of nitrogen um, nitrates are one of the one of the four forms of nitrogen and conventionally you have nitrates ammonium and you have uh, urea is the three forms of nitrogen and that's what you find a lot of you know inside like jacks or miracle grow or you know a lot of the, the salt-based fertilizers um, what that does is the, the nitrates can only exist inside the plant when there's a large amount of water so what that does is when the plant takes up the nitrates and use that as a main version of nitrogen its food source the plant has to have a large amount of water in it as well and what the large amount of water does is, is it dilutes the amount of nutrition in your produce it dilutes the sugar, the sap content inside your produce. So it's not as packed with vitamins and minerals. So just by simply finding a different version of, of nitrogen, whether that's your top dressing with, you know, feather meal and putting down a compost tea on top of that, whether you have some alfalfa or different um, organic versions of, of, of nutrition, we want to, we want to focus on the fourth type of, of nitrogen called protein nitrogen. And you can get that through organic soybean extracts. You can get that through a, a hydro fish 
Um, just using these more naturally natural versions of, of just nitrogen alone can increase the bricks level inside the plant, which means your plants are going to have more more nutrition in it. Are you saying like Brinks, like a Brinks truck, like B-R-I-N-X? Sorry, I like. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, Brinks, B-R-I-X. Okay. Well... Yeah, no, Brinks, Brinks is a measurement of uh, the carbohydrate content inside the plant. And what we find is there's less Brinks in plants to have a high amount of water in them. And when you use a lot of nitrates or a lot of phosphate salts, the water content goes up really high inside um the the plant which it immediately reduces the amount of nutrient so if we're trying to get you know dense nu nutrient produce um inside the plant we want the, the the nutrients to be as packed full per square inch as possible inside the plant so uh, you know uh, i guess in, in a simple sense it's just a, it's it's you know knowing what you're feeding the plant you know we should try to we try to sway away from from salt-based fertilizers and go more towards like protein nitrogen or more towards a, a bone meal or a rock phosphorus source for the phosphorus. Um, and we do, we do that, you can, you can kind of adjust the amount of water in the plant and how much nutrients the plant's actually absorbing. And you, we find that we have higher bricks levels, which means more, more, more sugar content inside of the plant and more sugar content contains also more nutrients and more, um, um, vitamins and, and, and minerals inside the plant. So how do you know what like what the sugar level of the plant is or like how do you even is the like a soil test you're doing to find that bricks thing? You can, level? Yeah you can um, there's something called a, re a refractive index and that's like the measurement scale of it um, and we can use a refractometer and they're pretty cheap online and you just go through and you can, you can uh, chop a part of the, the, the branch off of a plant and you can squeeze the juice out onto the lens and you just hold that up towards light and you can see where the sugar content is on a refractometer. So it's, it's a little more of a, an experienced type of um, gardening approach, but you know, if you're really trying to dial things in, um, it's, it's really helpful to see like how healthy the plant is because what we also found is, you know, higher the bricks, the higher, the, the healthier the plant. And if we have a healthier plant, you can use less pesticides and you have less bugs trying to get to the plant. And that's really overall what it is. You're trying to make yourself health, yourself healthy and you're trying to make the plant healthy. And when the plant's healthy, you can use less chemicals and, and less chemicals immediately means healthier plants. Golden seeds, Tim, golden seeds. This is the kind of stuff that my listeners want to hear. So, um, and a lot of this stuff is like, so I just had this, um, she has her own little fan club on my show. Her name is Patty Armbruster, and she's like a regenerative agriculture expert. And she actually was just at my place yesterday, giving me all sorts of tips and things that we could do. And a lot of the things that I think you're seeing is what she's talking about too, like helping the plants be healthy, you know, totally. She's just so, mm -hmm. such a soil, like so passionate about, you know, feeding the soil organisms in the ecosystem. So it's a healthy soil. So it, you know, um, feed your plant mm -hmm. like you're saying. Um, so, and then my husband's been adding like alfalfa meal and uh, I think I want to say it was blood meal and not bone meal to kind of like give his plants a little boost mm -hmm. this spring. But um, I don't know. Do you have more to say or do you want to answer like the questions or where do you want to go from here? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really 
big proponent on making sure that the you you know we're all picky about the food we eat. I'm, all, I'm, I'm a big proponent about being picky about what you feed your plants too, right? So a, a lot of it is it goes into if your plants are healthy, they're going to have less less bugs, and less bugs means you're going to have um, more one more less pests. I'm sorry, um, which means you're going to have more predators, and you're going to have a plant that releases less infrared. And so really the, 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 the whole, my, my whole soapbox field I've been, I've been getting on lately is, is just adjusting the form of nitrogen, which also, which just causes your plant to be healthier. They, they plant, when plants take in a bunch of nitrates, they release infrared radiation, the bugs see infrared radiation and see that as like their, their prime food source and they come attack the plant. So we can, we can make plants healthier and actually ward away the pests themselves by just feeding them non-nitrate-based food. I guess this is the, the, the full circle to kind of what, I'm, what I've been preaching. And so is that what, um, where did my page go? Um, the biologic, the culture biologic is like food that you give the plants to help them be healthier? Yeah, yeah. Well, we give the you know we, we like to tackle it from a couple different angles or a couple different angles. One of it, one of which is you know adjusting the input of your of the food source. So making sure, yeah, we, we definitely feed them better. Um, you know, create a better organism. The other is is part of the biologics is using biological organisms to um, you know condition the soil. Um, you know, we in Colorado we have a heavy clay-based soil. Um, not much sand here, a lot of rock. Um, so what, what we like to do is put down uh, like beneficial microorganisms um, that, that naturally break down clay and produce some more porous um, substrates to grow in. So it's not as compact and not as, um, not as that doesn't stay as waterlogged for, for as long. Um, so part of it is the inputs. A lot of, and the other part of it is making sure we use the, the proper organisms at the proper timing to, to condition our soil. So, so like I said, you know, prior to, to um, working with the United Nations, we, you know, did did this this uh, soil degradation test. And one way we found to increase the rate at which the soil regenerates the topsoil is to use organisms that put carbon back into the soil. Um, and then, and by by doing this, we find that we can in, we can grow the soil at a faster rate than we can than we can decompose it through conventional agriculture because of the organisms we put in there. Well, where do you get the organisms from? Um, we work with a, 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 a microbiotic lab out of um, Santa Rosa, California. Um, good friends of ours. We like to really work closely with with good people. Um, and so they make, we, we had them go to the International Gene Bank in uh, Switzerland to find a couple, um, a, a couple specific organisms that we want to use and put in, make a microbial blend for us. So um, they make all of our, our, all of our custom blends of microorganisms and we use them in, and make them into easy to use product like instant compost teas and like a, like a natural rooting product that uses rooting bacteria instead of rooting hormones. And there's sure a lot of that going on these days, isn't there? Oh yeah, yep, there we are. And um, you know, our our whole thing is just is a lot of a lot of educating because a lot of people don't know what goes into the soil. A lot of people don't know what what they're using because they buy a bottle that says, "Hey, it grows plants real well." 
well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's, it's good for you or it's very good for, for the soil. So, you know, a lot of where, how we go about it is, is making sure that we, one, provide an easy to use product, but also, you know, give the microorganisms that, that people need. Um, you know, for, for example, a lot of people don't know what mycorrhizae is and mycorrhizae and, and habits 95% of all root systems on the face of this earth. Um, you know, that's a very integral part of our products and knowing when, what ba good bacteria to use and so what, what, you know, what bacteria that you're, what fungi you need to break down, what, what nutrients. So we, we kind of custom tailor all of these complex, um, micro uh, uh, mycology essentially and put them into a, a product that you can just use and, and give a, an education base so they can so you can keep expanding your knowledge you know making it easy um yeah you're so right there's definitely a need for education because like one of the things that woman patty that i was telling you about is she said that some of the worst soils she's seeing is actually on organic farms because they keep tilling it up and they're not feeding that soil web. And she said, it's just really sad that they're seeing after 10 years of growing food, they're struggling because they're, um, they're just not taking care of the soil enough. Um, and then where did I read? I want to say it was Andrew Mefford's book, but I can't remember. But it, somewhere recently this spring, I read something about if you're going to a plant nursery and they don't sell and it's really hard to say, you said it really well, microcorrhizae or rivers, they're like, don't go to that nursery if they don't have it and they don't know what it is. And I have had quite a few guests talk about it, especially Patty Armbruster, but um, you can't probably talk about it enough. Like I still have a very, like yesterday when she was here, she was like going through in depth and I just like kind of kept my phone recording so that I can go back and replay it in my head over and over as she explained the whole soil web and this is feeding this and this is this and this is why you have to do that and just like all these great tips. Um, a lot of what you're saying but yeah. what you don't know is like one of the number one questions I've got the last two summers in a row over and over is what do I put on my organic lawn? What do I put on my organic lawn? Well, you should water it. Well, you can do, you know, same thing, compost or this or that. Yeah, but what do I go to the store and buy? And like, even like I have one guest, AJ, who right. talked about putting um, just molasses. Um, well, the, the one, uh, Jeff Lowenfels, who wrote the books, you know, Teaming with Microbes and Teaming with Nutrients and Teaming with Fungi, he's like, just water yeah, and mow in the spring and it'll be fine. But if you don't want to do that, there's the molasses and water trick where you put like a couple of molasses and a gallon of water, which I have not yet tried. I'm dying to try it, but I mean, AJ's got all the proof on his website, but then I'm betting you probably have some kind of a solution for people. I mean, I, yeah, I, I um, lawns have been, I don't know, it's so funny because people are, love, love their lawns, um, but doesn't produce any food for us. So, having you know a lot of problems in florida where they've been just fertilizing their lawns which is like nitrates and phosphates it runs off into the water canals and they have to close down beaches because there's a three mile algae bloom so it's always it's been a, it's been fascinating to to me about like how how to properly care for a lawn so it's good for for, for the environment too um one of the best things that i have found for um, for lawns is one making sure we're gonna go back to the mycorrhizae making sure you have a strong mycorrhizae um, uh, 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 colonization inside, inside inside your turf it acts as a secondary root system it goes gets water for the turf they found they have, they have some studies that say 
that uh, the mycorrhizae, if there's water on the southwest corner of, of the acre and not on the northeast corner, the mycorrhizae can actually transport the water throughout the entire acre to that corner that doesn't have any water. So, you know, with, when we have like lawn, lawns where you have, you know, usually spotty, uh, spotty watering where you'll have like a, a good condensed watering pattern some places, but on the edges of the lawn, you know, you'll have like a little bit of dieback from them not getting the water. A healthy mycorrhizae system can help transport nutrients. It can help transport water. Um, it can help transport um, uh, signaling molecules if a bug tries to get in there and starts eating the, the, the roots of, of the grass. Um, so my, my, my go-to always is, is make sure you have a strong mycorrhizae application on your lawn. It will go a long way. Um, and then, then when you feed it molasses or when you feed it um, anything else like a compost tea on top, all you're doing is reinvigorating the mycorrhizae colony and, and, and the health of the soil. Um, and then if we're going to get into like one, like a nutrient specific um, type of um, 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 suggestion, calcium, 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 calcium. Um, that's up there with silica as well. Uh, calcium is really important for, every, for for cellular development for every new cell inside the grass. So when we chop our grass, it's going to need to have new cells to replicate in order to grow again. Um, can't do that without calcium. So making sure the plant has a good amount of calcium for regrowth um, and then making sure the plant has uh, silica. The University of Florida did a really cool um, article um, and they did a study on, on silica. You know, you normally hear about the NPK uh, you know, make sure you have your, your macro elements there, but every plant kind of reorganizes what it perceives as the, the, the dominant nutrients it needs. Um, so when they did a study for grass, actually it's not the top, the, the three most abundant elements that the grass needs turf isn't MPK. It's actually nitrogen, silica, phosphorus. And so silica is just important as nitrogen when it comes to growing grass because that is the, the the strength that is the support of the actual blade of grass and so it can handle more more wear and tear it can handle more pet spots and it can just be have a stronger more um more more structurally sound um a body to it just by adding silica to it and so that's that's usually what i like to have people like focus on is the mycorrhizae adding silica and keeping calcium pretty flowing pretty consistently with the lawns Tim, you are just dropping golden seed after golden seed. So I just got this weird thing from Zoom saying we only have eight minutes left. So if we do get disconnected and we're not done, um, I might have to like send you a new link to another meeting. I've never had that happen to me ever. Okay. I, I've always, they, they send me like this little thing that says you can only have 30 minutes for free. Um, but anyway, mm -hmm. Uh, this is just amazing. I know my listeners are going to love this. This is going to be a great episode. But do you want to tell us about something okay. that grew well this year in your garden? Or maybe last year? I don't know how much you have going this year already. Um, like, we're in Montana, so. Yeah, we, it's so hard to grow anything here. So when we get a good crop out of it, everything's doing well. <laughs> Living in a high altitude desert, it's it's really tough. I mean, we're six thousand feet above sea level, so the intensity of the sun is really, really tough. Um, but I mean, we grew some awesome peppers last year. Um, super flavorful. They're nice, big, big chunkers, and we did so well last year with it that we're actually growing a salsa garden this year. So we have some ghost peppers, some reapers. We have 
um, so habaneros, we have some jalapenos, we have two types of bell peppers this year. So we're trying to really, really go heavy on the peppers this year because they do so well out here. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I'll tell you, I've been having a hard time finding pepper plants. For some reason, Mike didn't get a lot of pepper plants. Well, all right, I'm not going to say I didn't have a, but I, mm -hmm. I am struggling. I bought two pepper plants at this one organic nursery and got home and was like, I paid $12 for two plants, $6 each. I'm like, well, I even get $6 worth of peppers off of them. And they're not even bell peppers. Anyway, I probably shouldn't be complaining about that on my show and we should be supporting local farmers, which I was trying to do. But like, we would have liked to add 12 pepper plants, but I certainly can't pay, you know, $6 times 12 pepper plants. Um, I was trying so that's to why we grow for really so big I grew... Um, Melissa Norris told me to grow San Marzano paste tomatoes. And she said, that's going to be my secret to my salsa. Uh -huh. And then I actually, I have cilantro coming up. I don't know if we have a few, I think we have six peppers total, maybe with the two I bought. And then I found two somewhere else. And Mike had two that he grew. Usually he grows a bunch of peppers, but he just, I don't know what happened this spring. Uh, how about? That's why you huh? really, really big pepper plants. And then yes, we got to grow really big pepper plants. And then you can have those, those peppers, those four pepper plants be the size of like eight pepper plants and you got a bunch of peppers. Well, he did put each pepper plant is in its own, like one of those black cloth, um, pretty large tubs of dirt. So they could grow really big. They might produce pretty well. Uh, so is there something different you're excited to try? something new that you haven't done before or is that just growing all these pepper plants um, in your salsa garden we're just doing a whole bunch of different types now so i don't know i'm sure some varieties aren't gonna really like the high the high intense uv radiation the high heat with lack of rain um but we we, we will see our, our biggest thing is like how many different types of peppers can we grow in our salsa garden that, that's our big thing this year at our at our um actually at our warehouse or our manufacturing facility we have a, a a pretty decent side side lot um so i think we're doing like a couple four by eight beds a couple three by sixes we're doing five two by fours we're doing eight three by two beds um oh here's one thing one thing we're really trying to do this year it's really hard to get lettuce to grow if you're not like out here to get a full head without it bolting in the in the dead heat so what we're really trying do is get enough shade cloth and put it in a specific part of our garden that isn't going to get you know blasted with a high intense heat and heat and sun and we're going to try to, to do some year-round lettuce gardening i don't know how well that's going to go i know it you know works out usually pretty well if we can get in the into the have them in the ground be, by the end of the last frost and you know before the major heat wave comes in in july but we're going to give it a shot this year i don't know we're gonna it's something we're experimenting with we struggle with that too. I feel like we with spinach. I'm like, I'm giving up on spinach and my spinach that we put in the spring already, like there's one plant that hasn't bolted and the rest of it all bolted before I even got to pick any of it. Um, so I know how yep. that goes. And then we had a really hard time with lettuce germinating. So Mike put in a second bed and then I replaced the first bed with lettuce with, um, I put broccoli plants in there. Um, tell us about okay. something. Let's just get to the root of things. Do you have a least favorite activity to do in the garden? Like, is there something you have to force yourself to get out there and go do? Um, my yeah, my my least favorite is um, 
any anything to deal with irrigation. I am the most, I, I am the most, I, I just am not inclined when it comes to irrigation and how things work. I, I usually at my house just take a hose and, you know, put, I either do a hose and sprayer and water the plants. But anything outside of that, like we have, like our system here, we have um, um, a, a 275 tote um, that we hook into like an automated watering system with timers and, and, and uh, 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 sprinkler heads and, and it's just, it, it's so not my expertise. It's my least favorite thing to do is like, I love gardening, like watering the plants, pruning the plants, trellising the plants, but getting all the garden smells on, on me, I absolutely love. But when it comes to like the watering equipment, I just, it's like networking issues with your, like your router, your house or something like that. I just, it's, I, it's, it gives me such a bad headache that I can't even express it. So is your favorite I love the way you said getting the garden smells on me. Is that your favorite activity to do in the garden? Oh, absolutely. If I have a giant bed of, of tomatoes just going wild in August and I have to get through there, nothing makes me happier than reaching through and climbing through the, the whatever I need to do to, inside the tomato bed and then walking away afterwards and just like smelling yourself of all the, all the tomato smells. I totally get it. How about what's the best gardening advice you've ever received? Oh, that's gardening advice. Um, How about you think about that? And I'm going to start another meeting because we're about to go. It's going to shut us off. Okay. I'll send you the link. Okay. All right. Website and there's free samples and everything of where he can get, where people can go online. They just pay for shipping and can get some of these things from him to try out in their gardens. Cool. What's the so, website again? Cultured by with an x.com cultured biologics.com c-u-l-t-u-r-e-d-b-i-o-l-o-g-i-x.com awesome yeah. so i'm trying to remember him to do, or remind him to do some marketing stuff so you can help him with that he's just a, a soil nerd he could talk to you about soil all day long uh, well, my listeners can listen to soil all day long. <laughs> They're soil nerds too, so she's fitting right in. Um, okay, right, I'll but I'll try to remember that at the end. <laughs> okay. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about best advice. You were thinking the best gardening advice. Okay. Yes. You're up. Best advice I've ever gotten for gardening is don't be an overcaring parent. And, you know, I, starting gardening, it's really easy to like, you know, baby the seedlings and make sure they're always wet and make sure they never dry out and make sure they have heat or this or that. And a lot of times you got to do what the plant, what nature intended and just plant seeds and let them do their natural thing, you know, make sure the environment's good, make sure they have a good environment to grow up in, but, you know, make sure you're not overbearing with the, the nurture and care because that, you know, you can overwater, you know, you, you can I give them too much light too soon. Like my biggest weakness in a, in a garden is whenever I take plants from inside and put them outside and they just fry up to a crisp and I just don't even think about it, you know? So it's just, um, yeah, don't be an overcaring parent. Kind of let the plants do what they're naturally supposed to do. You're almost like saying, saying like, you need to be a little more of a caring parent and be like, I'm not putting my babies out to burn. <laughs> 
Yeah, a little bit. I mean, she's like, I'm just know. thinking of my husband who like very tenderly like puts the tomatoes on the porch for a few days and acclimates them before he puts them outside. And then he uh -huh. puts them like in the bed where they're going to go just in case there's going to be like a storm and so he can still bring them in. And like, he, but he's probably learned his lesson. <laughs> Uh, still be still be a caring parent you know definitely still care for them no no one have any neglect but you know there's there's a fine balance between too much and not enough you know and so it's just just reminding yourself to stay in that happy medium you know perfect uh how about do you have a favorite tool like if you had to move and could only take one tool with you what could you not live without um one tool um Probably my pruning scissors, because I, I I take them with me everywhere. I use them for small little snippets of this and that when it's like not even plant related. They're, they're the most helpful tool. Whenever I have plants, I can you know I don't have to like bend them and tear them and rip the stalk. And the pruning scissors are my are my 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 confidant in the garden. You know, my mom gave me a really nice pair of pruners two years ago, and now uh -huh. I know why she spent her whole life walking around with them in her back pocket. So Definitely handy. a great tool. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, do you have a favorite recipe you like to cook or eat from the garden? Uh, um, favorite recipe? I mean, I really, really love like fresh salsa or like a fresh pesto. Those are like my, my go-tos, just having like the, the blast of fresh, fresh veggies and fresh, you know, um, um, herbs and just like the blast of flavors. I love to be able to like taste spring, if that makes sense. That totally makes sense. I love like, that's why I really like herbs because I feel like just the tiniest mm -hmm. little bit of herb can change a boring sandwich or any kind of meal, like just potatoes with just like a fresh snipping of rosemary or like i love to put arugula in everything uh-huh oh one one a uh, really cool thing we found so i've been i've been i've had a few different gardens and a, a few different ways um you know your normal raised bed soil gardens um i've done we've also done um hydroponics i'm not sure if you've ever grown anything hydroponically like your herbs your your lettuce um, I will say some of the best tasting parsley and herbs I've ever gotten was from um, a hydroponic setup. And it's just a simple, you know, take like a four inch pipe and you just angle it at a one degree incline and it just kind of the, the water gravity feeds down and you just pump it back up. Um, but we were growing such nutrient rich and, 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 and burstful um, um, uh, herbs that you could use a quarter of the parsley you normally use and like you could take a leaf and put it in your mouth and just blow your mouth up with parsley. And we were taking, we were selling some of this produce at the time to some of the um, some of the, the restaurants in um, in Florida at the time. And they were using a quarter to a half of what they normally would use just from having such flavorful parsley. So herbs, or I guess the, the the my favorite thing to eat from the garden is a, it's probably is herbs because they just they they pack such a punch, you know. I totally agree. Do you, are you a podcaster? Do you have a favorite podcast that you listen to? If you uh, do, that's fine. I, I meander. I mean, I don't really have a favorite per se. Um, I just, I, I love, I, I love learning. Learning is really what really makes me happy in life. I just, I love to like listen to everybody else. I, I, I'm forever the student and, you know, I just, I, I love hearing all the new innovations. Like Jeff Lowenfeld is one of my favorite people to talk to. 
Um, we, we've met several times and talked about soil science a bunch of times. We've taken goofy pictures together and just being able to hear and that and uh, Elaine Ingram, um, she's great. I just all these different just minds that we can utilize as a resource. You know, I just, I, just, I, I love it. I was thinking maybe you should have your own podcast on soil health. You seem like you like to talk. I I, I love the subject. Sorry, so I started a new job this week and I'm kind of feeding fast this Friday afternoon. Either that or like my dog kept me up all night. I don't know. I'm, I'm uh -huh. struggling today. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, yeah. do you have a favorite internet resource where you like to surf on the web? Like, is it just checking out these other people and just learning from other people or? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a peer reviewed journal nerd. I, I will be stuck inside the journal of science for that's what I do with my, my free time, my spare time, you know, like I just, I, I absolutely love, enjoy reading about and, and discussing, um, about all this, uh, any, anything gardening related. Um, I mean, we, a lot lately it's been, um, just been on these four on these like you know social media platforms and just trying to connect as many people as I can just to talk about um new ways to grow and garden and, and teaching people there's a um a real big chili community a chili head community on on uh Facebook we've been sharing chili recipes with and hot sauces and they sell pepper starts and you know just a really cool seeing all these like groups and networks of people that really enjoy the same type of pastime that we do and like, you know, like, like you said, you know, with the, with the full-time job and, and wanting to do this as a hobby, you know, it's just really, it's good to be able to find like, like minds that you can kind of just connect with and talk to about all these things, you know? Oh my gosh. I don't know what I would do without my podcast listeners. Like, I feel like they keep me sane and leveled and like, so I can just breathe in this crazy time we're in. Mm -hmm. Um, well, do you have a favorite book? Oh, favorite book, like about gardening or just in... Or soil health that you want to recommend? Um, yes. Um, it is called The Organic Manifesto. Um, How Organic Food Can Heal Our Planet, Feed the World, and Keep Us Safe. It's by Maria Rodale. Maria Rodale? It yes. is. It's one of my favorite books I've, I've gotten. Um, my mentor was a minister of agriculture for Costa Rica, and, and he absolutely loves Maria Rodale and, and the Organic Manifesto. And I, if I was one book I recommend to people to start their journey in organic farming or organic gardening, take to heart the Organic Manifesto. It's a really, really good book. Oh, I love that. I love Maria Rodale. I can't believe there's no more organic gardening magazine or no more Rodale yeah. publishing at all. Like no. new encyclopedia of organic gardening or any of that. I'm like... I, devastated i dreamed about working for rodales for years <laughs> part of what how i ended up with a podcast awesome. i was gonna like like literally like i applied to like i did an internship at the united nations for this women's organization because to get to do an internship at rodales you had to have previous successful internship experience mm -hmm. and like i was gonna go to college at columbia and get my master's degree in communications but that didn't happen. And then they went out of business anyway. So I guess it didn't happen. Anyway. It's still there. It's a good resource. Tell us about your business. Um, we 
like to make gardening easy. We want to, we, you know, uh, the mycorrhizae to the protein nitrogen to using carbon-based inputs to feed the soil using prebiotics and probiotics. You know, we took all these concepts and, and put them into some easy-to-use products. So, um, for example, instead of, you know, having to get mycorrhizae and azospirillum bacteria and then get the prebiotics and the humic acids and the seaweed and amino acids, we put all that into one easy-to-use product called Dr. Root. And it uses, you know, mycorrhizae and beneficial microbes and, and, and uh, all these compounds that are good to promote root growth. We put it into just an easy-to-use product. Instead of having to brew a bunch of compost um, and then with molasses and water and let it aerate for 24 hours to make a compost tea that you really aren't sure about what's in there, we make an easy-to-use powdered instant compost tea that you just mix with water and it has all your your probiotics, has your prebiotics, has your plant foods in it. And you just mix it with water and you just put it on your plants. Um, so just trying to make, you know, or, organic gardening easy through, through taking all these like really complex um, organic concepts and just putting them into like a one simple product or a couple simple products to do the job you need, you need to get done. And this can help save our planet by using this stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, it should be everybody's um, uh, goal to rebuild, to build the, the top, the, the topsoil of our, of our, of our earth. Like I said, all of, all of life comes from the top six inches of soil. So our, it should be our duty as, as stewards of this earth to make sure we, we, we build and add carbon to the soil. And all of our, all of our ingredients inside of our products are carbon based. So when you put them inside soil, or, or little carbon machines like micro microorganisms. When you put it in the soil, you're putting the carbon back into the soil. You're putting the microbes into the soil that are going to build the carbon layer. And you know, when you look at the you know the 16 essential elements for plants: the NPK, the calcium, magnesium, the zinc, boron, manganese, molybdenum. Um, one thing they don't tell you or preach or even teach inside conventional agriculture, conventional growing, is carbon. Carbon is an essential nutrient for the plant, or essential, sorry, essential element for the plant. And you have to put carbon back into the soil. You can't just let plants take it out. So one of the really cool things about our products is everything, every nutrition inside of our product is carbon-based. So we are adding to the carbon, we're adding to the topsoil, topsoil, we're adding to the, 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 the top layer to regrow and to keep our, our soils and our, our ecosystem healthy by using our products. Well, this is awesome, Tim, um, and it's so needed. And just like I said, I have lots of people that call me up and say, but what can I just buy? I just want to go buy something. So this is a great solution for them. Like I, Mike and I wrote this book called The Organic Oasis Guidebook. And like a lot of the comments I got was, I don't want to do compost. I don't want to have anything to do with compost. Compost is too hard. It's too messy. It's too sticky, yada, 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 which I think is like, I'm usually like my big complaint about being in the garden is I don't really like to get dirty because I usually have a full-time job and like right. on the days when I'm wearing my gardening pants that's fine but like when I'm going down to pick a salad for dinner I don't want to get all like dirty but yeah. compost I'll turn the pitchfork and the compost any day like I don't <laughs> feel like it's a dirty job but I guess like yeah. people have kind of like so I think this is filling a great need and mm -hmm. like you said it's saving our planet I just love your passion I love how you just like are into educating people and you're just so concerned about the soil food web and taking care of and by being able to produce more nutrient dense food like um 
Mandy girl, it's so funny because I was just talking to this other woman right before you. And we were also talking about like Mandy Girth was one of my all-time favorite episodes because she's just so passionate about being an organic farmer. And but she was like one of the people who introduced me to nutrient dense food and like the Western Age Rice Foundation and um Sally Fallon and just how making sure like I didn't I get I don't know why I guess I just didn't realize like I always really liked red leaf lettuce but I didn't realize that it was so much better for me than you know iceberg lettuce or something just it's amazing how the quality of your food I mean I think you know part of my show is that you know organic food is definitely healthier for you and I still go through that battle with my mom like we didn't have to have that when we grew up. Well, when, when was the rise of pesticides? The late 60s, early mm-hmm. 70s, like my whole life, food has changed. When I was a kid, it wasn't such a big deal. You could buy regular food in the grocery store and it wasn't inundated with glyphosate and all sorts of other right. chemicals and pesticides. And it was grown in soil that hadn't been degraded over the years. But now, you know, the quality of food that you get, like sometimes I'm a school teacher by trade and like I'll see the... Mm-hmm you know, they give the kids the healthy carrots or the healthy snack at the end of the day. And I'm like, seriously, do you even really call that healthy when they get the little bag of nub carrots in the right. plastic bag or the piece of pineapple that comes in? I'm just like, oh, but it, yeah. it's, I don't want to complain about it because the kids eat it. They love it. I mean, sure. I think that food afternoon snack program is just amazing. Don't tell me kids won't eat oranges or celery sticks. <laughs> they, they absolutely will. They absolutely will. They yeah. still like I bring in like those purple dragon tongue beans uh-huh. and like they'll be asking me about them in May in May. They're like, why are you bringing any more dragon tongue beans in? We want some of those beans. I'm like, um, you harvest those in the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. What also blows my mind is I, you know, kids they want something that tastes good. I never thought I liked tomatoes until I grew a, a delicious organic tomato myself and picked it when it was ripe on the vine. It tastes like a fruit to me now. Like, I love tomatoes. What I, what I don't like, though, is bad-tasting produce. And it took me a little while after after even college when I kind of readjusted my eating habits, and I, I realized that, like, it's not that I don't like spinach. It's like I don't like bad spinach. You know, it's not like I don't like... Brussels sprouts. I actually love Brussels sprouts. I just don't like bad Brussels sprouts. You know, I think getting you know, on the topic of kids, I think just getting them, you know, healthy, good tasting food is is the the kind of the the shortcut to get them to just eating healthy and putting, you know, putting that down. Absolutely. You are so on it. Uh well tell us, did we get to your website? um no i don't think so i mean and then Aaron um, was talking about there was some kind of like they could order listeners could order like samples if they just paid for the shipping and they could get to try the products yeah yeah we're um we just launched e-commerce platform so really we, before we'd sell to like stores uh, you know nursery home and garden stores things like that um hydroponic shops that you can go in and get your get you can buy a product off the shelves but but recently with the, you know, the coronavirus and COVID and kind of the shift to where everybody's been staying at home lately, we wanted to give a platform that we could reach to every, every user at home. Um, so we, uh, we launched an e-commerce platform and you can go on there and get samples if you'd, if, if you'd like. Um, it comes with, you know, an, an ounce of each of the powders, the rooting powder, the two, the veg compost tea, the blooming fruiting compost tea. Um, we talk about nitrogen. I have a nitrogen product, so you don't have to use nitrates if you want a nitrogen burst or a calcium burst um, called Dr. Growth. And we also have, we also include an all natural insecticide in there called Mercenary. 
that's really good for soft bite insects like thrips, mites, aphids, white flies. Um, but yeah, you can go on there, you just pay for your shipping. I think shipping's like seven bucks and we just send it out to you. And um, if you if you like it and you want some more of it, there's a, um, a, a purchasing platform on our website now. So you just add whatever you want to your cart and check out and it gets shipped directly to you. Okay, but what if they don't want the sample pack? They're just looking for like one specific thing. Like how do they figure out what the one specific thing they're looking for is? Or like, how do they know how to use it? Like are there directions on the bottles and things? Oh yeah, there's definitely directions on there. It's all real simple. Um, like I said, you don't have to really do too much. Like, you know, Dr. Root is for when you need to grow roots. Um, when using a compost tea, you know, your plants are, before they start flowering and fruiting, you're gonna use easy tea veg. Um, when they start fruit or flowering and fruiting, you use Easy Tea Bloom and just transition it. Um, Dr. Growth is for a nitrogen, whenever you need a nitrogen boost or you just need a, a burst of growth. Um, so they're all pretty, pretty basic and simple. And all you do is just mix a teaspoon or a tablespoon into water, a gallon of water, mix it up and pour it right on your plants. Um, but all the, all the instructions and all the, the, the application usages is on there. Um, and if they want one or one thing or a thing specifically, they can go on there and, and you know, kind of itemize their selection and, and that would work for them. Okay, just so you know, in the future, that's the part we all want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that okay. you use this before you start and before it starts to fruit and this one you wanted to bloom and this mm -hmm. is the burst of growth part or at least that's part i want who knows my listeners are all better gardeners than i am like i said <laughs> mike's the gardener and i kind of like dabble and i mostly stick to herbs but like it's it's his garden so i don't do anything without his approval which makes sure. me be like you tell me what to do and i'll go buy it um anyway tim thank you so much you probably had no idea like i i don't know what you guys are expecting maybe like a 15 minute little like this is our company call and here you are an hour later sharing golden seed after golden seed i know my listeners are just going to love your passion your story and just um everything about it i mean you are the perfect guest for my show and um i wish you guys the best and i hope things work out and i hope things work out for my listeners that they um give some of your products and it it helps them build their microcorrhizae um you know under their soil whether it's under their garden or in their food I know they've heard those terms before on my show and we all know it's important. And thank you for providing a solution um, that we can use. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, anytime you want me back, please feel free to reach out to me. And I'm, I, you know, it usually starts off with like a 15, 30 minute, you know, a, a conversation that we expect to have. And it goes into an hour because I usually can't stop talking about plants or soil. So <laughs> I'm happy, I'm happy I'm to feel this. The other lady, I'm like, well, my show, I, it plays on progressive radio network on Monday night. So I have to send them a file that's between 53 and 58 minutes. But usually mm -hmm. that's about where my guests go, unless they go really long. Like my guest this morning, we were on the phone for almost two hours. So I'm yeah. going to get off. That probably didn't help. And then I still have to work <laughs> for the other guy besides today. He's been like emailing me and stuff. So anyway, <laughs> you have a great day, Tim. And I will send you yeah. the post when this is up. I'm, you're 326. Let me see. Uh, so I put out a show. I try to put out a show every Monday. And I just put out 320. So I have one, two, three. I don't know. It'll be like about a month. 
So what's that? Okay. Mid-July. Sweet. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's this is fun. I know. Podcasting is fun, right? It is. Just think about having your own show. Just be <laughs> it's it's a huge time. But I've heard that like with Anchor, they make it really easy. Like you can just like pretty much talk into your phone and it's like uh -huh. one and done solution. Yeah. So we need tons of experts like you out there. Oh, and, thank uh, you. You know what I do want, Tim? Like, do you have a picture of you in the garden I can put in the show notes? Um, yeah, there's a picture of me I can email you over. Okay, cool. Perfect. Yes. Okay. You guys have a good weekend. Oh, cool. Yeah, we could do a bonus episode. Uh, yeah, that'd be great because, you know, that's certainly taking off more and more and more. Oh, yeah. And it's something I'm very passionate about because I can't stand like the indoor grows. Like, I just, and I also like, I'm very concerned about all the chemicals people are. What frustrates me, my biggest frustration is you know how many people tell me I should eat hemp seed because. I don't eat meat. I, I do eat fish, but like for the most part, like I like to be, you know, and I do do dairy, but, um, but people always like, oh, hemp protein, you should eat hemp protein. And I can't grow my own hemp seeds. And just, and I just, and also like, again, like people are ingesting cannabis like crazy anymore. They're ingesting these edibles, they're smoking pot, like there's no tomorrow, but they have, there's no regulation going on. There's nobody and there's all these chemicals going in. Like there's even like people, you know, with their cloners saying, oh, we're using something to grow the roots that were organic, but then they're putting this like chemical cloner on there, whatever it is. And just, there's so yeah. much going on. The waste of electricity that people have to grow it indoors when they could just grow a crop during the season. Like people should be able to just grow it like tomatoes. You know, they say the number one grower of tomatoes in our country are backyard growers. More people grow tomatoes in their gardens and i just feel like um they should be growing it organically locally sustainably it's something i'm super passionate about yeah it's a very chemical laden industry and it's you huge know, and it just drives me crazy. The, the 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 kicker is you know we 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 do have restrictions on the pesticides we can spray now so we, we that is a good step in the good in the right direction um you know there are approved lists. It's funny that we have, have approved pesticides we can and can't use on cannabis. We don't have approved pesticides we can and can't use on food. It's very comical to me. And the other thing is... Is that a national thing or is that a Colorado thing? That's a, it's a state-by-state state thing. Um, Oregon has a list. Washington has a list. Colorado has a list. Uh, Michigan just now is doing heavy metal testing and things like that. Um, we actually have a lot of microbial analysis done on the flower because the flower can mold really easy. So we do have a couple, a couple, they have a couple, you know, um, uh, uh, progressive things they're doing as far as like what they spray on it. But the, the, the funny part is, is there's so many salts and chemicals and, and growth regulators used to grow this plant. It is ridiculous. And, and for any commercial facility, when you, they're probably in Colorado, we maybe have 5% organic commercial facilities indoors. You're kidding. Oh, indoors. Yeah. Indoors, yeah. yeah. I'm not surprised at all. You know, and so it's a giant chemical industry. And the, the thing about Colorado is this, if you're a, a gardener here in Colorado, you can't really grow your cannabis outside. It is illegal. 
the only way you can grow it is if you have two layers of fencing, you have a padlock, you have cameras. They make it so extenuous that you can't just grow it outside. And most counties have banned it here. So it's it's this weird little conundrum of like, what do you what do you do? Like you have to grow inside and you can't grow outside. So then everybody's telling you to grow with chemicals inside. And if you grow outside, the, the police can come by, knock on your door, and tell you to cut it down. So yeah, don't even get me started, Tim. I gotta go. We'll talk again. <laughs> okay, book let's a, talk again. Book another, <laughs> book another episode. Aaron has my okay. calendar, and just book another date, and we'll talk. Like about I it. can just talk for hours about this. So well, <laughs> let's book another too. one. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Tim. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. You too. Freegardencourse.com. Uh, Mike and I have developed some lessons to help you create your very own organic oasis. We'll guide you through the steps to build your perfect natural landscape, an edible earth-friendly yard, a sustainable deep bed garden, or even start a small profitable market farm. We'll show you how to save time, lower your produce bill, collect usable data, eat healthy and nutritious food with minimal labor, um, use the most effective and efficient production methods currently being used in backyard gardens as well as market farms, and maybe even help you find some profitable markets. We've designed it to save you time, lower your produce bill, and help you eat healthy, nutritious food. Um, there's checklists. There's outside reading, video assignments. Uh, you can join the online Facebook community where there's lots of people from around the world to help you get your garden started today. So remember, freegardencourse.com. Hey there, green future growers. Would you like your friends and neighbors to create an organic oasis too? Would you like others in your area to learn about earth-friendly practices for their gardens and yards? If so, we would love it if you would share the Organic Gardener podcast with your local community or college radio station today. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.